Hello, everyone, and welcome to season two, episode one. We are so excited to be bringing you the first freshest episode of our brand new season, Conjuring Light, We Are the Dreams of Our Ancestors. This is Bay Laurel here and Maya Blow welcoming you to another episode. We have a very important guest today. Do you want to tell us about her, Maya? Our lovely guest today is Angelique Sabande Greer, who is a world-traveled speaker, herbalist, teacher, consultant, author, and spiritual life coach, delivering high-energy presentations delivered with inspiration, humor, and a down-to-earth style. Sabande is the owner, founder, and director of the NCB School of Herbalism and Holistic Health, which is the oldest African-American school of herbalism and natural health in the United States. She is also the visionary co-founder of Sacred Waters Herbal Retreat for Women of Color and the annual Afrobotany Immersion Conference in Costa Rica. We're so excited to have you with us today, Sabande. Thank you for coming. We just want to thank you so much for taking the time out for this interview in Medicine Cipher. And we were wondering if you would be willing to open our circle with a prayer. Sure thing. Mother, Father, Goddess, we ask that you will be with us in this time of great transition in the world. We ask that you guide our footsteps and our path. Make us in the greatest image and light of the Goddess. We ask that our ancestors, those who have come before us and those whose shoulders we stand on, that they continue to be our light, especially in dark pathways and in dark spaces. We ask that we continue to be a guidepost showing more love, more compassion, more joy, and more empathy for those who are less fortunate. As we proceed today, please guide our footsteps as we honor your ways, as we honor the past, those who walked and blazed great and mighty check trails for us, we ask all of those things in the names of all the creators on the on the planet and in the universe. Ashe, Amen. Ashe. <laughs> Thank you so much, Shabande. It is such an honor, honor to share space with you today. We were wondering if you could introduce your work a little bit. Tell us about, you know, how you began working with plant medicine. My path actually uh, began or was, uh, it was shaped uh, as a little girl, my great-grandmother. Uh, was an herbalist and, um, she, she didn't call herself that, but, um, she definitely knew some things about some things and about some things. Um, she didn't have, uh, much of a formal education. I believe she went to sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. Uh, I can't remember what she told me, but, um, she definitely knew 
the world and was very educated in the world. Um, I spent my, I spent most of my off, you know, my off times with my great grandmother, spring breaks and summers and vacation Bible schools and, you know, trips with the church. And, uh, I spent a lot, a lot of time with my great grandmother. And I just always thought granny was awfully weird and she was always doing you know, some some really weird things to a to you know, of course, to a little a, a little person who who's watching her. Uh, she definitely had a a lot of um, bold, wise sayings, and uh, she would have me do different things during different times of the the year and different seasons. You know, drinking this and taking that, and I just always thought Granny was a super weird person. I loved her, but she was weird. So, um, of course, uh, I, I got older and I left the United States and I was li- living in Amsterdam at the time. And one particular, one particular, uh, day I, uh, was coming home. I was coming home and, um, uh, as I was coming home from work, my landlord was a, a Dutch woman, an old Dutch woman who, who couldn't speak very much English. And in order for me to get to her, uh, in order for me to get to her apartment, I had to go through her hallway. Mm-hmm. And so while I was going through her hallway, she comes out of the, the hallway and she, you know, she says, says to me, hi, how are you doing in Dutch? And she takes my hand and she kind of looks into my eyes. Well, at the time, she was doing a little bit of iridology, but I didn't know anything about iridology at the time. This was in the early, or this was in the mid eighties. And um, she said, "You know, in Dutch, you don't look so well." And and I said, "Yeah, I don't feel so good." And and, and what had happened was, I felt like I had had a severe cold, uh, or actually the flu. Felt like I'd gotten the flu in my joint. Hmm. And. Um, she grabbed the basket and she took me out the back door. It just happened to be springtime and she um, began plucking these flowers. Well, lo and behold, the same flowers that she was plucking out in the back of her garden were the same flowers that my great-grandmother used to have in her yard. Mm. And I thought, oh my goodness, here I am on the other side of the world with a little old white lady, you know, who's giving me some granny medicine. And it was just like a, a light bulb went off. And, and I literally said to my, or spirit said to me in that moment, whenever it is you decide you're going to go back to the United States, you've got to talk to your grandmother more about, you know, what this is. You've got to, you know, you've got to, you got to find out what this is. So that's really, that's really how my, my journey began. Um, eight years, uh, after that point, I was back in the United States. I was um, spending a considerable amount of time driving back and forth between um, the Nashville, Tennessee area and where I'm originally from, which is uh, Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and which is it's about a three-hour drive. So uh, I was spending time going back, back and forth to you know spend some weekends with my great grandmother and learn some things. Now, what I thought I was going to get was take your notebook, sit down, you write down some stuff. But that, 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 that wasn't, 
that wasn't how I was supposed to learn. It took me about seven more years after that time to um, really harness some of the things that you could never have imagined you would have learned. And definitely you could have never gotten in a book or, you know, there's no school in the world that could have given you the training that she had in her heart. Um, and, and, and that, that, that leads me to here and now. That's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, can you talk a little bit to us about herbalism and ancestors and how they're connected and why is it so important for us to know our ancestral relationship with plants? Well, herbalism and ancestors go hand in hand. Um, as, uh, as people of the diaspora, uh, black and brown people around the globe, you, there's no practice that is still intact that does not include the ancestors. Um, herbalism is about ancestral uh, reverence. It is about ancestral wisdom. You can't separate the two. It's like separating the spiritual part of you from your body. Uh, you know, people walk through life doing those two things separately, but they're really, you know, that's a, that they're, they're really one and part and parcel of the same. So herbalism um, in relation to, to our ancestors is, is um, it's a triad. It is definitely the mind, the body, and the spirit. And um, I believe through my experience, um, my own training, my own teaching, and what's inherently, you know, my divine right or a part of my divine contract when I came to the planet is to make sure that, you know, that, that, uh, that as a wisdom carrier, that I promote uh, where I've come from. Uh, I mean, like, I could, I could not be here. I told, I told someone that I am only here because one woman survived. Think about that. One woman left the shore on the continent of Africa at some point in time. She survived the ship, the rapes, the, the beatings, the, all the violence she saw the separation of her own family, language barriers. She, she survived it. One woman, one, one, just one. One woman survived so that I could be here. So there's no way that I could ever separate my ancestors from, from my practice. Herbalism is a part of, um, it's a part of, um, it's a part of our lives. It's a part of our history. Um, it definitely has had an impact on the world wherever black and brown people have landed uh, on this planet. We have become the culture. We, you know, we have become the culture. We have infused the spiritual system into those places. We have infused, you know, our, our history into those places. And I think it, I think it, it's one of the most beautiful things ever. It makes us, um, it, it, it links, I think it's the common link for all of us as, as, as humans. Uh, but I, I definitely think that wherever brown and black people have landed on the planet, um, we, you know, we had to take, you know, we had to take our ancestors with us. There's no way we could have survived without, without ancestor reverence.
you know, I've been studying herbalism and practicing for about 20 years. And lately I've been seeing a resurgence or just this um, almost popularity of astrological herbalism and tracing it to Europe and to Galen. And I understand, you know, very little about the Osine African herbalism system, but I've read articles and I'm starting to learn more. And I, I definitely understand that these practices and this knowledge and wisdom system is from Africa. But I'm seeing a lot of herbalists um, kind of advertising and teaching astrological herbalism from more of a Eurocentric perspective. So I wanted to ask you about that and just ask you to even just very briefly just speak on the roots of the African roots of these of this wisdom. Herbalism on the continent, I mean, it's it's uh, one of the definitely one of the oldest practices we know. You know, definitely dating back to Egypt uh, or to Kush or ancient Nubia. So uh, when you look at other parts of, of of the continent, and if you begin to dwell into their spiritual systems, their spiritual systems will tell you uh, a lot about what their what their practices uh, in or their beliefs in medicine were. Uh, what they believe spiritually reflected, you know, what I said earlier, is, you know, that, they, that it's never been a separate entity for um, our ancestors. So, with that being said, um, the Osine herbalism system is it, it's, it's more than 4,000 years old. Uh, it, you know, uh, it, it rose up out of West Africa. And it's really... Um, we, we call it the Osian herbalism system, but it, it really is a part and parcel of a lot of collective sub, subgroups of Western Africa. And it just kind of, uh, found its way and, and, and Nigeria or, or the, the spiritual system of Ifa really, really kind of harnessed it and really took it to the next level of practice. So, um, it's, a, it's definitely a culmination of, of, of tribes and, and cultures of Africa that have, you know, conjoined their, their herbalism and spiritual beliefs. But it was, it was the spiritual foundation of Ifa that really catapulted it to the next level, which is why it shows up in Sentinella and Lukini and Vodun and, you know, it shows up in Southern Christianity and, you know, it, it shows itself in other Places, but people will never attribute it or credit it to its source. So, uh, anyone who teaches the Osine herbalism system, uh, as an Osanista, um, you know, the, they, they're really teaching an, an, an ancient, an ancient form of herbalism that, um, you know, that the world has, the world has, has used. I mean, the Greeks, the Romans, or I mean, literally, the world has used. When you look at Ayurvedic medicine, when you look at um, you know, look at Chinese medicine, all of it, it all of it, it, all of it has, has its foot inside of that herbalism system. On that note, could you tell us a little bit about some of your conferences, like the Afrobotany conference in Costa Rica and the Sacred Waters retreat in Tennessee? The Afrobotany immersion conference I started um, four years ago. I started, um, I have a, go to Costa Rica every year and, uh, we have a, a African medicine, uh, garden circle there 
with a good friend of mine who owns a retreat center. So um, I started the Afrobotany Immersion Conference uh, with the intention of gathering people from the diaspora, no matter where black and brown people were in the world. They have a story to tell about the plants that had migrated out of Africa and into those particular parts of the world. And it was my interest to know how, if the plants were still being used, you know, uh, traditional names versus folk names. Um, uh, had they gone extinct? How were their foremothers using them? And what were the similarities to today's time? What I realized is that for us as black and brown people is that our history, it, it gets tracked by others outside of our community. We generally have an oral tradition. We don't write things down. Learning is done African style, and that's, that's, in, that's, that's intuitively who we are as a people. It makes me go back to the teachings of my great-grandmother. With me trying to learn from her with a notebook and pen was not the way she was trying to teach me. And I'm, I'm glad that she didn't because that's a Western style. That's a Western mind frame. And so we've been so inundated and we've been so saturated with learning from a Western mindset. We, we don't know what sitting at the learning tree looks like. We don't know what sitting at the feet of an elder and listening for two hours without taking notes feels like, because we feel like we're going to miss something. We don't feel like we have enough to recall it, to bring it up in our genetic memory to, to get it. Um, real elders in this practice will tell you, you listen to what I say and you watch what I do. That's how you learn. And so the Afrobotany Conference really is a whole different, it's a whole different genre as far as conferences go as far as how we learn, how we, um, how we, um, celebrate, uh, herbalism in the field. Um, the fall of this year, we will actually launch the United States first Afrobotany immersion program, which will be a two year program, um, that centers on learning about the plants and the people and the culture of the diaspora. So you, you know, like I said, before, you never separate the plants from the people. Mm. Um, and in the Western style of learning, we've always separated the plants from the people. So, you know, it's another, apple body becomes another missing, a huge missing part of the, the puzzle. And then on the flip side, we have Sacred Waters Retreat, LLC. I founded that about 16 years ago, and just simple and easy, that, that, that the concept of that was out of my own personal selfish reasons. I needed, I needed some sisterhood. I needed some transparency. I needed, I needed to reflect um, the goodness of who I was as as an African woman. Um, and because I've been on this circuit, this educational circuit for more than twenty five years, I can tell you. It hasn't been easy being the only brown dot in white centered spaces who have no empathy, no compassion, and not, and, 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 and are not really interested in you as a person, but they are interested in the value of the information that you have. Mm-hmm. And I got tired of being tired of going to these events and, ex- and expecting something different and not getting those results. So, 
me, it was just, it was out of my own personal need. I was just like, why am I fighting someone who, and I mean fighting in my mind, why am I fighting uh, someone in my mind who will never understand my walk? And who will, if you don't understand my walk without me having to talk about it, then how will you even understand it when or if I have to talk about it? So, Sacred Waters um, is an intentional safe space for a woman of color to come and gather, to shed and cry, to, to, um, to be real afraid. And then once you push past being afraid of what it is you don't know that you're afraid of, and you realize that the sister beside you that you didn't know on Friday, that you now know on Saturday, because you're sharing similar experiences, really becomes a kindred spirit. And really, you begin to see yourself in a way that is reflected in, in, in positivity and the greatest light imaginable. Sacred Waters has been so cathartic and therapeutic for not only me, but for hundreds of sisters. Kind of speaking about community and bringing folks together, you know, what do you think are the most important tools for African-Americans and people of color for optimal health in these times? The most important tool? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, what, uh, the, the one thing Spirit just said to me is our truth is, is going to be one of our most important tools. We have to be ready to be honest about who we are and um, if we don't know who we are, be honest about that too. I think um, I, there's a there's a African word Sankofa. I don't know if you've heard of Sankofa before. Mm, yeah. The Sankofa mm-hmm. is about going back to fetch your history, going back to get it, so that you know where you're going. You know, people who who don't know where they come from don't know where they're going. And I think one of the most important tools for us is standing in our truth. Um, not, not, not dimming ourselves down. When we dim ourselves down, uh, it changes us on a cellular level. And when we change on a cellular level, it changes our health. Like, it changes our mental health, our spiritual health, our physical health. So, my first, my first, my first one would be standing in your truth. Um, the second one would be, we can't, we can't, we love our ancestors, but we can't eat the way they used to eat and expect the same results. Um, we don't work the land. Most of us don't work the land. Most of us don't know how to grow food. You know, we have to get back to, or we have to relearn some basics about survival and about sustaining, um, how to sustain ourselves. So um, I think that is definitely um the second, the second best thing for optimum health for our communities. Um, most children think food comes from the grocery store. So, uh, and especially in black and brown communities, because, you know, 
They don't. They live in concrete jungles. They live in uh, in places that don't have a lot of dirt, or whatever the case may be. Um, so, you know, those those types of things also affect our mental, spiritual, and and physical well being. And because the three of those things are tied in together, we can't separate. We can't say I'm healthy, but you you know your mind is jacked up, or you you know what I'm saying. You mm-hmm. you. You don't have a you don't have a spiritual practice that you know. Even if you just going and sitting at a tree, that's a spiritual practice. You don't call it anything, but you you you're going to sit your butt on the dirt. That's a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, definitely the getting back to basics. You know, learning how to grow things. Um, even in these quote unquote uh, these urban jungles, um, you know, just 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 learning the basics of. Of, of plant life and how I can how can I sustain the, my health and the health of those around me, you know, for long periods of time, if anything should happen. And I don't mm-hmm. think we need to operate from an emergency standpoint. We need to operate from a longevity standpoint. So I think those are the top two things um, uh, that affect us as a community, you know, in becoming healthy. I think those are the two keys um, that would get us there. So in in that spirit of Sankofa standing in our true power, what what plant allies do you call on? What, what would be what would be your yeah? One your... plant ally. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been with me forever, um, and it's it's one of the strongest ones. Uh, uh, one of the strongest ones on my do not use list that my great grandmother taught me, and she's cotton. And so um, she never leaves. Cotton never leaves my side. Cotton always has a story. Cotton always tells me her medicine. Cotton is, um, she is so very defiant and so very beautiful. Um, uh, you know, Cotton is my source to keeping unborn children free. Uh, so it is a, um, uh, she's she steeped in so much history. I mean, like, the, cotton continues to bring new new things to me. You know, she's, I mean, since, since I was little, cotton has brought so much, so much to me, so much information, so much um, joy, so so much sadness. So uh, my 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 true ally is, is cotton. Sometimes I can I can jump the fence and and uh, another plant for me will show up. But cotton is always there. She never leaves. She she's always by my side. That's amazing mm-hmm. and so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your time with us. We really appreciate mm-hmm. it. I'm, I'm proud of the two of you. It's always good to to, to have to have uh you know. Uh, women in the forefront who are who are interested in, you know, interested in getting back to, to the roots of things literally and figuratively. So I'm I'm proud of the two of you for um being interested. That's also an ancestral calling. So don't take it don't take it lightheartedly. You are you are fulfilling your divine contract. So yeah. I you definitely appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we're very passionate and we're very excited about all these recorded recorded history, voices, wisdom that we're collecting. So 
and sharing. It feels like the most most important work. So. Each episode, we feature a different plant ally, and it's our hope that we can introduce a plant to you all that can make your life easier, um, help you to be healthier, that you can use as a spiritual, mental, physical, emotional ally. Uh, And this episode, wow, Sabande named Cotton. And I have to just say, when she dropped that word cotton, it really blew me away. And it was a testimony to me of how strong she is and what an amazing, strong plant cotton is. It's it's got such a broad spectrum of uses. I have always learned about using the root bark and traditionally how the root bark was used more around helping women to bring on the menses and to control fertility. And I think that that's a, a large part of how our ancestors use this plant but it has so many uses I mean as an amenagogue as an, a galactagogue to increase your lactation increase milk in, in lactating mothers it has an affinity to the to the respiratory tract so to help heal bronchial asthma it works with the skin it has antidepressant properties it has amazing antioxidant properties it's a diuretic. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. This is what we would definitely call a plant with a broad spectrum of actions. And even just beginning to dive into the spiritual and energetic history of this plant and the connection with our ancestors. And I know for myself, it's been a plant that I've wanted to grow for a long time and have felt yeah back and forth about like do I really want to grow this plant and I decided yes I do want to grow it and was able to get some seeds this year and and to start on my journey to growing cotton as a healing for myself and my lineage but you know traditionally cotton wasn't always white you know there's there's charcoal colored cotton and blues and greens and you know yellows and there's all these different varieties of cotton and different species so yeah, it's not always just this one monocrop that we've been taught and, and that we've been shown. Uh, so just to know that there is this diversity within this plant and maybe starting to grow for those of us out there who do want to reclaim our relationship with growing this plant to find some nice heirloom varieties of seeds that we can trade with one another. And I know I'm doing that, so if anyone else wants to do that out there or you're doing it, please shoot me an email and um, let's trade seeds. Speaking of trading seeds, it's like that's what our ancestors did. This plant, you know, came around the world and back again so many times. So many cultures were, you know, sharing seeds so that they can grow. And then those seeds turned into all sorts of different cultures and societies and patterns and weavings. And so the place where we're at now in, in the world, we that's the challenge how do we want to weave our lives how do we want to weave our dreams and cotton is perhaps a a guide in this i always love to look at plants and use again the doctrine of signatures to learn about the plant by the way its structure is in nature or the way that it acts 
within the plant communities that it grows in. And just looking and observing the cotton plant that has these bowls, which are really sharp. And for our ancestors who were picking cotton from morning to night, it would shred their their skin and their skin would become tough and um, calloused. Thinking about this plant that has these this sharp aspect and create can create this resiliency and toughness um, with the people who interact with it, but also it has a very soft, nurturing, comforting aspect to it that has so many uses that can provide uh, for a lot of our needs. And it really, to me, represents the spirit of African American people and our ancestors, how we had to survive through such hard times and are still surviving through such hard times and also have a tenderness to our soul and the resiliency and the buoyancy of our spirit that can never be crushed. And so I just love learning about plants and and observing them in this way because the cotton plant really does, to me, in so many ways, personify our people. Also, I feel like a really important aspect of of our people is the limitless potential. This plant, you can work with it in so many ways. And I feel like as we are learning to work with the earth in a much more sustainable way, I especially think the cotton plant can invite us. How do we want to work with the earth? How do we want to work with plants in a much more sustainable and harmonious way? And really the potential for that is limitless, is limitless. We just have to dream it and to do it. The tip that we'd like to offer you for today is really just to try and bring some awareness to the sources of the cotton that you have in your in your home and mentioning the honorable harvest that Robin Walkimmer mentions in Braiding Sweetgrass, a lot of the cotton is not an honorable harvest. And so really trying to do what we can, of course, within the means that we have, but just bringing some awareness and some consciousness to the fiber that we wear and the things that we put on our body and where does it come from and who went through all the things that they had to go through to process it before it came to us. So some just a little tip, you know, a little, a little mention of being more conscious about our wardrobes and the, the fibers that we're using. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Medicine Cipher. If you would like to find out more information, you can find out more about the Sacred Waters Women of Color Retreat at www.sacredwatersretreat.com, the Afrobotany Retreat at naturalchoicesbotanica.com, and more information about our beautiful host, Sabande Greer, at www.naturalchoicesbotanica.com. Special thanks to our funders, the Calliopeia Foundation, and special thanks to George Peterson and Manish Madahar for your incredible assistance and help with our audio engineering. Today's episode features songs Rain by David Kay, Rain by the Sunday Service Choir, and Love is the Message by Yusef Days and Alphamist.